Welcome to jrootradio.com. Here on jrootradio.com, we have today the Halakha Hour on Wednesday afternoon. You are listening live at 2 o'clock, 2.04. It's a Sfaradi Halakha show, which means we don't start on time. Anyway, so the Halakha Hour today is on jrootradio.com. You can listen to us online in two ways. One is jrootradio.com, or you could go to... J, go download the JRoot Radio Pro app, and there you can listen to it. Also, if you'd like to listen on the phone, the phone number is 718-506-9099, and you press one twice, and then you listen to the audio live. Hashem, the show will be aired on again tonight on the online at 11 to 12 o'clock. But now we'll be Hashem, speaking live. Today is this class. Today's class. <coughs> is dedicated actually to the J Root Radio. Why do I say that? Because it's been exactly a year since we've started giving the classes here on J Root Radio on um, on the Halakha Hour. It's been a year since we started giving the Halakha Hour here on J Root Radio. To the date, the first time we started giving the class was on Yudalit Iyar, which is Pesach Sheni. So therefore. I'd like to dedicate this class to the whole J-Root Radio staff, and I want to give a special thank you to everybody that's involved. First of all, Rav Nisim Lazari, who is the heart and soul of this station and everything that goes on over here. Iran Jacob and BSD Productions, which run and take care of everything from video and audio. Rav David Levine, who usually sits with us today. We'll see if he's com- coming in. And Rav Shimon Nimni, who was the first one to actually introduced me to the radio station and of course to everybody that's involved with the radio sa- with the uh, J-Root Radio, all the Rabbanim, all the speakers, there are always a constant hazuk, and of course to the listeners because it's the kahal, it's the listeners that make the uh, J-Root Radio want to continue doing their efforts, doing their work, and I want to give also a special thanks to Kolal Ketetzion with my Rosh Kolal, the head of Max Meselton, for always <coughs> Anytime there's any th- pointers, if somebody heard something or uh, knows something, especially th- discussions in halakha, they have always helped me prepare or la'amid ala emit. And of course, Baruch Hashem, to and a special thank you to Hakadosh Baruch Hu for the siyata dishmaya that we've had Yehiratzon, that we should continue to learn and to grow in Torah, and that the Jerud Radio Station online and everywhere else to reach and fulfill its goal and that is to bring Torah to every Jew and to bring every Jew to Torah. So we zokhe to continue Today's class, as the date is, today is Yudalit Iyar, today's class is on Pesach Sheni, the Hilulav Rabbi Meir, Lagba Omer, and then if we have extra time, Bezat Hashem will continue with the Benish Hai. Usually we talk, we have that Halakha class from the Benish Hai, but today because of the day, the events of the day, we take a little bit of time off for current events. The current events that is in Halakha. Let's begin with Pesach Sheni. <coughs> you doubt yet. If you prayed in Shul this morning, you notice that we did not say Tahanun. What is Tahanun? Which means we didn't say Anna. In the Sfaradim, we said Yehishim. How come? And the answer is because of Pesach Sheni. What is Pesach Sheni? The Torah tells us in Parashat Ba'alotcha that there were people who approached Moshe, which were Tamimit. As a rule, as a rule, when bringing Korbanot to the Beit HaMikdash, or to the Mishkan when they were in the desert, you could only bring a Korban if you yourself are Ra'ui, 
are befitting that you could enter the Beit HaMikdash. And one of the things that prevents a person from walking into the area of the Beit HaMikdash is Tum'at Mit. If a person himself is Tameh Mit. So there were people who approached Moshe Rabbeinu and they said, you know, we missed out on bringing Korban Pesach. Korban Pesach was brought usually on Yudalet Nisan, on the 14th of Nisan. And we missed out on bringing the Korban. But it wasn't our fault. We were busy fulfilling a mitzvah. What mitzvah was that? Well, there are two opinions who were these people who approached Moshe were. Some say it was Mishael and El Safan, who were the cousins of Nadav and Avihu. If you remember in Parashat Shemini, the children of Aharon Kohen, Nadav and Avihu, die by bringing an Es Zarah. They brought a Ketoret that which was not called for, and therefore Hashem took their life away, took the Neshamot away. So they died, and they had to remove them out of the Mishkan, and of there it says clearly that Nadav and Avihu's cousins, Mishael and Safan were the ones who were called upon to remove the bodies of Nadav and Avihu. So therefore they became Tamehmet. And since they become Tamehmet, it takes a while for a person to get back to regain his Tahara. And they could not have been ready on time to bring the Korban Pesach. That is one opinion. Another opinion is that these people were the, were the ones who were carrying the Aron of Yosef HaTzadik. We know that Yosef HaTzadik was traveling with the Jewish people in the desert always side by side next to the Aron, which had the Luchot inside of it. And Yosef, and the people who were carrying the Aron came and complained to Moshe. They said, listen, we're doing a mitzvah over here. We're, we're busy with another mitzvah. Why should we lose out that we shouldn't be able to bring Korban Pesach? Of course, they became Tamimit, right? So that why should we not be able to bring Korban Pesach? And Moshe didn't know what to answer them. Instead of, uh, you would think, you know, listen, it's over. What can I tell you? You woke up too late. I, I hear you. You should have complained before Pesach, not now. But Moshe doesn't do that. Moshe sees their sincerity, and he presents the case to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He comes to Hashem, and Hashem tells him, you know, they're saying good, I'm going to give them a second chance. Tell them that this is the halakha from now on, this is the halakha for, not only for those people that are asking, but this is the halakha forever. That any Jew who was not able to bring the Koban Pesach in its proper time, which is on the 14th of Nisan, will be able to bring it on 14th of year. Now, it's not open to any Jew. Rather, it has to be specific, which means if the person was a certain distance away from Yerushalayim, they couldn't bring the Korban. He was Tamimit, which was not to his fault. In any case, in whatever it may be that a person was unable to bring the Korban Pesach, as long as they're part of the minority of the Jewish people, that means the majority of the Jewish people were not Tameh, and this person missed out, he could bring it on Pesach Shini, this is what we call Pesach Shini. A second chance to bring Korban Pesach, which was today Yudalit Nisan, with Yudalit Iyar. That is the source of Korban Pesach. Now what happened on Yudalit Iyar was that after Hatzot, which is after six and a half hours, the people brought their Korban, they brought their animals, and just like any other Korban, they would slaughter the animal, they would take the blood and sprinkle it on the Mizbeah, and then afterwards they would take those animals, go ahead and roast them, and that night, they would eat it together with matzah and maror. They don't have to get rid of hametz. They could have had hametz. But that's the process. That's the order of Korban Pesach Sheni. So, what does it have to do with our days? So, just like Pesach Rishon, we don't say Anatsi Hishem on Pesach Rishon. Because it was a day that was a time to bring the Korban. So, too, Pesach Sheni is a time also which people brought the Korban. And therefore... It's also a day of Yehishem. It's also a day that we don't say Tahanun on Pesach Sheni. There are minhagim that are brought down regarding Pesach Sheni. We already said one halakha, but the minhag is that some people eat matzah today. 
Um, maybe you've seen it, maybe you've not. Some, a lot of people eat matzah today on Yudalit Iyar. I always had a question. Why are people eating the matzah on Yudalit Iyar? If it's because to commemorate the matzah that they ate on on uh, when they ate the Pesach, because we know Kuban Pesach has to be eaten, the meat and the matzah and the maror together has to be eaten. Whether you eat it in one bite or you eat it uh, in the same meal, in any case, matzah was in for that. Or even if you're eating the matzah like the afakoman, which is only in memory to commemorate the Qurban Pesah, so it should be eaten tonight on Ted Vaviyar, not Yudalit, uh, not now on the 14th. It should be eaten in the night of the 15th, which is tonight, Wednesday night. How come people are eating in the day? I always had that question for a very long time. And of course, I could give answers. But Hashem, today I saw the answer that I always think about. The Abner Nezer brings this question as well. That how come people are eating on Yudad Nisan? The proper time to eat the matzah is within the night time. And the problem the answer is, it's only as a commemoration to the korban that was brought. People are not eating the matzah because once upon a time we used to eat matzah on Yudalit Iyar. Rather, people are eating matzah today to remember that today they brought, there was something special today. What is that when you eat the matzah? You remember that today they used to bring the korban. That is the way we could explain them and how with the people. But it's brought down. If you're one of those people that likes to do what they did once upon a time, that wants to, to eat the matzah, you should eat it eat tonight. And it's brought down by tzaddikim that will makpit to eat it at night. Ted vav iyar, which is exactly when the Jews used to eat the matzah in those days. Some kehilot, like we said, do not say tahanun. Although some do say tahanun. Everybody has their reasons. And there's something very interesting you should know. It's brought down in the Zohar that from Pesach Sheni, beginning Pesach Sheni, for the next seven days, including Pesach Sheni, there are there's special gates in Shemayim that are open. It's a very, very special time. In fact, this is hinted in the Torah. If you look in Pesach Ba'alotcha, after it talks about Pesach Sheni, it says over there that the Jewish people continued to travel. And it says over there, Shana on the second year that the Jewish people were in the desert, in the second month, which is the month of Iyar, on the 20th of the month, the Anan, the cloud of glory, which represented God's presence, picked itself up from the Mishkan and began traveling. And that's the remez that the Sadiqim give, that the Sfarim bring down, in connection over here to these seven days that the Zohar mentions. These are special times from Pesach Shani until now where there's a, where the Shekhinah Kibiachol is closer to us and there's a bigger time of Eit Ratzon and therefore uh, we have to take advantage of these days until from now until the Chaf Iyar, until the 20th of Iyar which is when the Anan already begins to pick itself up and, and leave. That's a special thing that's brought down. Now let's get to some Halachot that are a little bit practical on uh, they're not much, but some quick halachot. Number one is, if you are eating matzah, what better matzah? So we already discussed this a little bit in the past. We'll just talk about it very, very quickly. Matzah on Pesach, according to all opinions, is hamotzi lechem mina aritz. Why? Even though it's crunchy, and the answer is because that's our bread. That's what we have for bread. This is what we're koveya saudan, not koveya in the term of halakha, koveya, but this is what we eat as a meal, and therefore that bread becomes hamotzi. After Pesach, the question is what berachah do you make on matzah? After Pesach, the custom by the Ashkenazim, which is technically it fits very well in the halakha, and that is that they make the berachah of hamotzi lahamna aritz. Why? Because listen, this matzah was made for the sake of bread, for the sake of having it as a meal. So therefore, you should make hamotzi. 
but the minhag by the Svaradim is to make berchat mezonot on it. Even though there's much room to say that you should make also hamotzi, even according to the Svaradim, you should also make hamotzi on matzah, still the custom is that, sh- that people make mezonot, and we allow them to make mezonot. But he said, no, it's not so simple. The great poskim, the Svaradi poskim, in the Ahronim, I'm talking about Hakam Obadiah, Hakam Ben Tzion, all mentioned, especially in our days, that matzah is produced all year round and people do not have it as a snack. The whole reason why things that are crunchy are mezonot is because people don't usually eat it as a meal, don't eat that kind of bread as a meal. But today, because people are much healthier, or not much healthier, excuse me, much more aware of being healthy. So therefore, a lot of people do eat matzah throughout the year. It's, it's healthier, they get fuller. I don't know exactly how it works. You ask uh, uh, Rabbi Lazar Gruber exactly how it works. But in any case, people do are more conscious and therefore they eat matzah throughout the year. So it's not so simple to really just make mezonot. So Acham and Banyan, Acham both say, even though the Menhag is to make mezonot for the Sfaradim, you should try to avoid having it by itself. Try to only eat matzah after you made hamotzi. But if you are only going to eat matzah, then yes, you should make mezonot and not hamotzi lechem min ha'aretz. That is the minhag of the Sfaradim. This, by the way, is only applicable to crunchy matzah, the hard, what we call the hard matzah. What's been being sold lately, I mean, it's an old Sfaradim minhag, is the soft matzah. That is hamotzi all year round. There's nothing different from soft matzah to regular at the year, except that one is hametz and one is matzah. Okay, a little bit of flavor also. But soft matzah is regular flour and water. That's, that's pure hamotzi. Even though it's called matzah, don't be affected don't, but that the name is called matzah. It doesn't go by the name. It goes how the item is being made. And therefore, if a person is having matzah that's soft, whether you're having it on Pesach or after Pesach, the bracha will be hamotzi. Another few quick halakhot regarding Pesach Shani is that there are no eulogies, no hespedim on Pesach Shani. And also, there is a mahlokit for persons allowed to fast. It's not so popular to fast, right? But uh, there, are some, there are some people who fast on Bahab, Mondays, Thursdays, and Mondays, every Monday and Thursday. So sometimes it will fall out that Pesach Shani will be also on a Monday. Not this year, obviously. So if Pesach Shani falls on a Monday and a person has a custom of fasting on Mondays and Thursdays, there's a mahlog if he can fast or not. It depends. Some say, listen, it's, it's a Yom Simcha, it's a Yom that we don't say to Hanun, so how could you fast? And some say, what are you talking about? It shouldn't be any worse than Pesach Rishon. And Pesach Rishon, which is Yudalit Nisan, Eid of Pesach, there's a minhag that everybody fasts for the Makad Bechorot. So what's the problem of fasting? In any case, that is Mahlokit. If you fast, so then you'll look into it, you'll call them afterwards. But if you don't fast, so there's nothing to talk about. The next subject that we speak about is the Hilulad Rabbi Meir. Today, everybody says that today is the uh, celebration of Rabbi Meir. Some say it's a Yorzai. We'll explain that in one second. Before we get to that, I forgot to give the numbers to the station if a person wants to call or if a person wants to text in. The numbers to the station if a person wants to call is 718-683-5858 and the text number, <clears throat> which is the easiest way to get through, is 347-927-8398. Again, the numbers are 718-683-5858 if you want to call. And if you want to text, it's 347-927-8398. And of course, you can listen on the phone as well, 718-506-9099. Let's get to the Hilula of Rabbi Meir. What is this Hilula of Rabbi Meir? 
I always grew up thinking that today Yudalit Nisan is, which is Pesach Sheni, is also the Yotzar of Abimei Balanes, and that that's the way I grew up thinking. But really, we'll see soon. That's really not so. First, let's give a little bit of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir is known. <coughs> by the Jewish people as Rabbi Meir Baal Hanes. Rabbi Meir, the one of the miracle, the man of the miracle. What is so great? What, what, so, what is the miracle of Rabbi Meir Baal Hanes? And everybody <coughs> quotes the special tefillah that one should say, The God of Meir ends me. By us, we have the Minhag on Motzei Shabbat. When we say the Habdallah, we say, We say three times, The God of Meir answer me. What's so special? Rabbi Meir. How come we don't say it by any other of the Tanaim? Rabbi Meir was one of the students of Rabbi Akiba, by the way. He's one of the five students <coughs> that Rabbi Akiba taught after the death of his 24,000 students. And the Gemara tells us what's so special about this statement, The Gemara brings the story of Rabbi Meir. Now, let me give you a little bit of... Uh, uh, introduction to Rabbi Meir's family. Rabbi Meir's wife was the famous Bruria. Bruria was a woman who had tremendous amount of knowledge of Torah. In fact, all the rabbis, all the Abrechim, the in her generation were scared of her. She knew so much Torah. She was the daughter of Rabbi Nehunya ben Akana, and who was a big tzaddik, who was one of the ten people that were killed by the Romans. And he was known as one of the Asala Haruge Malchut. In any case, after they killed her father, after they killed Bruria, which is Rabbi Meir's father-in-law, they took her sister and they placed her in Lo'alenu, uh, in, a, in a prostitution home, in, in, a, in a harlot house. So when they placed her over there, so Bruria comes to her husband, she says, you know, bothers me tremendously. You know, here, our father was a big tzaddik. And how could my sister sit in the Zona house and we're not doing anything about it. I want you to go and save her. So Rabbi Meir takes a whole bag of gold. It's a lot of money. And he says, you know, I'm going to go take her out. But I have to see if I'm able. You can't just take her out. If the government placed her there, I'm sure they have her under watch. And if they find out that we took her out, they might come after us. It's very dangerous. You can't put yourself in Sakana. So therefore he said like this. I'm going to go see. If she was really faithful, if she was really a tzaddik and she didn't commit any avirot, then Hashem will do a miracle. If not, Hashem won't do a miracle. So therefore, he went and he disguised himself as a regular person, as a, he looked like a goy. And he came in to Rabbi Meir, he came in, excuse me, he came to the place where, the, where his sister-in-law was and she didn't recognize him. And he asked her to come in Avirah with him. And she kept on making excuses. And he, he answered every excuse that she had. She kept on saying, no, there's other woman, go over there. And every time he would come and approach her to the Kemen Avira, she kept on bringing up excuses. Then he realized, you know what? She was a tzaddikit. If she's, this is what she answers me, and she doesn't know who I am. I'm sure she answers this to everybody. So then he approached the guard. He told him, listen, I want, you, I want to redeem this girl. And here's the money, a bag full of gold coins, and I want you to give me the girl. So the man says, the guard says, I would love to, you know, to help you, love, you know, but what am I going to do with it? What if they catch me? So, so Rabbi Meir tells him, half you take for yourself, the other half you pay off. You know, you bribe your way. He says, what happens when I finish the money? He says, oh, don't worry. If you finish, if the money runs out, then what you do, you just say the following words. The God of Meir, answer me and you'll be fine. Everything will go good for you. Hashem will help you. So he says, how do I know? How do you know they're not, uh, you're not tricking me, not pulling my leg? He says, come watch. There were dogs, wild, wild, ferocious dogs that used to eat up humans. So he threw something at the dogs and the dogs came to attack. And the, the, the guards started getting nervous. So Rabbi Meir right away said, And boom, dogs ran away. They left him. 
He said, so that works, he took the money. Eventually the money ran out, and the government did find out that he let go of the girl, and they took this man, and they tied him up to burn him alive, and he claimed, the God of Meir, answer me, and this person was saved, and he was set to go free. That's the story of where the statement comes from, and that's where Rabbi Meir is known as Rabbi Meir Balanes, Rabbi Meir, the man of the miracle, <coughs> because of the story, and therefore, many people throughout the year, not specifically today, when it comes to Rabbi, when it comes to uh, a, a personal sarah, when they have a personal uh, difficulty, they're going through a hard time and they need a Yeshua, they need a salvation from Hashem, there's a segula that's brought down that a person should take a candle and light it, and he should say the special prayer, Hashem, the God of my ear, please answer me, and that's a segula that's brought down to be, for a person to be saved. Now, what does that have to do with you, Dalit Nisan? So like this, the Yaskil Abdi, also Rabbi Abraham Ashkenazi, bring this down, that the source of celebrations for Rabbi Meir on this date, on Yudalit Nisan, comes from, if you go to Eretz Israel, if you go to Tiberia, Tiberius, where Rabbi Meir is buried, you see there's a beautiful shul on top of his kever. And that's the shul of Rabbi Meir. That shul was built, and the Hanukkah Abide, the celebrations for opening up the shul took place on Yudalit Nisan, which is Pesach, on Yudalit, excuse me, Yudalit Iyar, which is Pesach Sheni, the 14th of Iyar, which is today. And that day they made a lot of celebrations, and there was a lot of Semahot, and people were very, very happy, and they saw how excited everybody was, and they said, Barzat Hashem, we're going to have the same celebrations the next year. And therefore, they continued doing this year after year, and this was called the Hilula. Hilula means the party. The party of Rabbi Meibal Anis. It has nothing to do that it's his Yodzite. But people confuse it with Lag Baumir, which we'll talk about later, which is the Hilula of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And they said, oh, this is the time when the Yodzite of Rabbi Meibal Anis, and that's how it came to be that people think that today is really the Hilula, which is the Yodzite of Rabbi Meibal Anis, which is not so. Today is only the celebration that people celebrate. Why? Which started by the Hanukkah Tabai. Now, why am I mentioning this? To, I don't want to spoil anybody's parties and anything. Imagine this for two reasons. Number one is, the Slonim Rav Zatzal, Rabbonichai Chaim Slonim, he brought a complaint about the parties that they make on this day. Because in his time, they used to make all these parties. I'm talking about maybe 60 years ago. And he said, it's a made-up holiday, but, you know, okay, one thing you want to do it in honor of a Tanah, Baruch Hashem, you're doing something at least the same time, but over here, there was, a, there was a mixture of men and women, men and women were coming, and there were celebrations, and the dancing, and the things, and there was a whole tarovit of men and women, you can't, you can't have this mixture of men and women at any time, especially now, especially something that's not even brought down, how could you make a whole celebration, it's not even brought down anywhere, and you just, it's a made-up holiday that people made, and especially... On Kivreya Tanaim, they would do it by the graveside of the of the holy Tanar, Rabbi Malanes. So he he used to call out of it, he made a special letter, he used to yell against this thing. The second thing also that it's important for us to know the sources of everything that we do. We shouldn't do things just because. And things that people some a lot of things you should know. We have a very rich tradition already over three thousand and three hundred years. And everything that we do, we have to be people of emit. And even if something is being done, at least know the sources. You shouldn't mix it up and shouldn't do things for the wrong reason. What do I mean wrong reason? I mean to say it's not the right, it's not, it's not a myth. 
uh, you have to know exactly what you're doing. You want to celebrate today in honor of Rabbi Mibane, that's fine, but don't make up that it's his, uh, his Yotzai today and this is what, it, what we have to do. It's not a Hayyub, it's a custom that started with the Hanukkah to buy it over his shul. But the greatest honor that we could give to any Tanna, as we'll soon learn about Abish Mubay Yuhai, is to learn his Torah. And therefore, a quote from Perkei Avot, which is anyway, the custom is to learn Perkei Avot during these weeks. The Mishnah, I believe in Perek Gimel, Rabbi Nehorai Omer. Rabbi Meir Baal Hanes is also called Rabbi Nehorai. Why? Hazal tell us because Rabbi Meir means to illuminate, and so too Nehorai in Aramaic means to give light. Rabbi Nehorai Omer, Hevegole lemakom Torah. You should exile yourself, yourself to a place of Torah. Don't say that Torah will come after you. Why? Because your friends will keep it and don't rely on your understanding. Rabbi Nuharai is telling us, which is Rabbi Meir, don't sit back and expect Torah to come your way. You have to make the effort and run after Torah. Now, what we can learn from this is a very important lesson. Usually, we hear stories about miracles of rabbis and how they perform miracles, and that's what impresses most people. Perhaps Rabbi Nuharai. Is, which is Rabbi Meir, the greatest impression that he wants to tell us is that when you get impressed by the rabbi, by his miracle, what is that going to do for you now? Wow, the rabbi is holy. He made a tremendous miracle. He gave a blessing and all of a sudden the world turned upside down. These people had 25 children and they got married. Unbelievable. Great. Baruch Hashem. Now what does that do for you though? Yes, it brings ahabat, tamideh hachamim, ra'at tamideh hachamim, a little bit of yi'at Hashem, but it should lead you to do something. That's what we know Rai is saying over here. Go work for Torah. Go and, and the, if you're impressed by the rabbis, you want to know how they came to that level? It's not because they sit and meditate all day, it's because they learn. All our greats, all our greats, even the greatest miracle workers, their kowah, their power, the source of everything that they had was Talmud Torah. It's not just learning Torah. But like he says over here, you should exile yourself to a place of Torah. You have to make the effort, you have to put amelut, you have to put your effort in going to learn Torah. Yeah, we can, on our level, when those who work all day, those who have a hard day of work, and those who have a hard day of anything, and now comes the time that they have to learn Torah, and they have to drag themselves out of the house to go to the Beit Midrash. And the Yetzirah tells us, listen, you can stay at home, you have books at home, you have everything on your iPad, you have everything on your computer, you get all the books, all the things, not the same. Says Rabbi Nehorai, Even if you have Torah by you, it's not the same when you go to a Makom Torah. When you go to the Beit Midrash and you go around where people are sitting and only learning Torah, that is the way you run after Torah and don't expect Torah to run after you. You can download a certain uh, book and just have it as an easy access. I saw that somebody's trying to call the station. The uh, technician is not here with us. I apologize. So if a person wants to reach us, you could call after the show at 718-683-5858. I'll be around after 3 o'clock. Or the best way is if you text me your question. If it's a comment, I'll comment on it later on. If you have a question, Mezat Jim will answer in such a way. Let's move on now to Lag Baomer. Lag Baomer is not today. Lag Baomer is going to be this Sunday. This Sunday, Yudhet Iyar, 18th of Iyar, will be the 33rd day of the Omer. And what is so special about Lag Baomer, Bezat Hashem, we hope to cover it today. Let's begin with the simple and the Gemara. We'll start with the simple and go a little bit more complicated. The Gemara says in Masechet Yevamot, says that the students of Rabbi Akiba, which were 24,000, keep in mind they're not simple 24,000, these were of the greats, the greatest of the great. Rabbi Akiba's students, 24,000, all of them died from Pesach 
until what the Gemara calls Peros Atzeret. Peros Atzeret means half of Atzeret. What does it mean half of Atzeret? Usually the holiday of Shabbat, which we call Shabbat, in the Gemara is always referred to as Atzeret. You don't find the word Hag Shabbat in Shas. It's always referred to as Atzeret. Okay? So the Hakamim are telling us that the students of Rabbi Akiba died from Pesach all the way until Pros Atzeret. Pros usually means half, and over here the half is referring to a half a month, which means if you take away 15 days from Pesach to Shabbat, how many days between Pesach and Shabbat? We all know. Between Pesach and Shabbat, we have 49 days. Those are the 49 days of Sibirat Amway that we're counting. Take away 15. So you'll have 49 minus 15, that's 34 days. According to the Gemara, the students of Rabbi Akiba died for 34 days. That's how the, the, the simple way of explaining the Gemara. And therefore, comes the Shuhan Aruch and says that on the 34th day, the students still died on the 34th day. And therefore, since they died on the 34th day, we have a custom of mourning, we don't do every custom of mourning, but we have certain things that we mourn, we don't have weddings, we don't set the music, we don't shave, we don't take haircuts, for the duration that the students of Yaqibah died, went until the 34th, 34th in the morning that is, okay, in the morning already we could say, you don't have to keep the whole day, and therefore you could come out of your customary mourning, that is the opinion of Shohan Aruch, the Ramah says no, the 34th already, they stopped dying. The 33rd is the last day that they died. And the rule when it comes to Avelut, to mourning, is that you mourn. The last day of mourning is always, we always are lenient. We call it, we have the concept called Muxata Yom Once part of the day comes in, we consider it as if you kept the full day. So therefore, on Lagba Omer, on Lagba Omer, a person. Could start already. Could, could already start coming out of the customs of mourning, which means What does that mean? It means as follows: For the Ashkenazim, Lagba Omer is a day that they already could take haircuts and they could shave. This is obviously talking to men. Women don't shave. Women, uh, well, Ashkenazim actually are mahmir also for women to take haircuts during Sfirat Omer unless it's very necessary. But even according to according to all Ashkenazim, now Lagba Omer you're allowed to take haircuts on Lag. Baomer, the Sfaradim hold that you have to wait an extra day, Lamed Dalet Baomer. This year, the Lag Baomer is falling out on Sunday. The Ashkenazim could already take haircuts on Friday and take and shave on Friday in honor of Shabbat because it's right, you know, Lag Baomer is on Sunday and Shabbat is right beforehand. So, already on Friday, for the honor of Shabbat, you can already take haircuts and shave. This is applicable to Ashkenazim and anybody who has a menhag like the Ramah. Like, for example, Sfaradim, like from uh, who descend from Egypt, the Egyptians themselves they have a manhag that they take their haircuts on Lagba Omer. So therefore, this Friday, technically, all Egyptian Jews could take haircut. Egyptian Jews, that is Sfaradim, uh, it's brought down in Nahar Mitzrayim. Then the manhag in Mitzrayim was that they would take haircuts on Lagba Omer, which means Arab Shabbat this year, Friday this week, actually not this year, after tomorrow, you can already take haircuts and shave in honor of Shabbat, being that's right before Lagba Omer. However, all the other Sfaradim have to wait till Monday morning. When? After you pray. You're not allowed to do any melacha before you pray. So even if you woke up after Alot Shahar, you woke up after Netzah if you did not pray yet, you're not allowed to do melacha, you're not allowed to shave, you're not allowed to take haircuts. So therefore, haircuts and shaving must come after 
Tiflat Shahrit. And then you can already take haircuts. That's all according to Pshat. The Mikubalim point out, the Mikubalim bring down that technically a person should keep his hair and he shouldn't t- take a haircut until all the way until Erev Shavuot. Points out that this is only true regarding haircuts. Why? Why did Arizal not talk about shaving? Because Arizal held you should never shave. You should never ever cut your beard, even trim it. So, therefore, if a person has a custom that he normally trims his beard or he shaves his beard, so therefore, for him, it doesn't apply to keep a beard all the way to Lairish Avot. He can already shave his beard on Lamedalit Baomer. That's the opinion of. The Mekubalim, the opinion of Hakam, of Hakam Betzion, the way he explains the Mekubalim. However, we pointed out in the past that really, although that's brought down by Hakam Betzion, I've seen many, many rabbis, I don't know if it's because anyway they have a beard, but I've seen many rabbis who know about Hakam Betzion and they kept their beards all the way, and they wouldn't take haircuts because they're holding like Dariza, they would take it only on Arab Shabbat, but they also wouldn't trim their beard until Arab Shabbat. Now, it is true that they have, it is true that they have beards, but they also would trim their beards a little bit sometimes. But, I don't know, you'll follow, you'll do as uh, your rabbi tells you, or as you feel what's most appropriate. That is one of the halakhot regarding Lagma Omer. Another halakha is weddings. The same mahlokit between Sfaradim and Ashkenazim will apply to weddings as well. That weddings on, uh, for the Sfaradim, Will only could only begin after Lag Baomer, Lamid Dalit Baomer, after Lamid Dalit Baomer, which means from Monday and onwards. For the Ashkenazim already, they could start having weddings from Lag Baomer. From Sunday already, they could start already having weddings. Here's an important halakha there's some who hold the second sphere, which means that they really started the custom of mourning from Rosh Chodesh Iyar all the way until the Shloshet Hagbala. So for those Ashkenazim that have the second sphere, they're allowed to attend the weddings. That are made after Lag Baomer. That's the psak of the Grot Moshe in Helek Bet Siman Tzadihe 95. If anyone wants to see it inside, he says over there that as long as the Hatan and Kala, uh, as long as the Hatan and Kala have permission to get married, everybody else could, who's invited to the wedding, even though their custom is to hold the second Svira, the lot to attend and be Misameh and dance with Hatan and Kala and be Misameh the Hatan Vekala. Okay, that is the halakha for weddings. Let's move on to music. Music would be the same thing. But over here, it's a little bit different. Sfaradim and Ashkenazim can listen to music on Lag Baomer. Why? Because we see soon Lag Baomer has a different reason why we're sameach, why we're happy with it. The Ramah brings down, Usmehim bo kitzat. That there's a little bit of Simha also on Lag Baomer. We'll see why exactly. So therefore, for that Simha, for that happiness, even the, the Jewish, even the, the Sfaradim and the Ashkenazim have a permission, not permission, but they could listen to music already afterwards. But again, if you hold that your Sifrat Omer, you, you started from Rosh Chodesh, yeah, so although you could celebrate on Lag Baomer, but you should not listen to music after Lag Baomer because you hold the second Sifrat, which is later on. Another halakha, very quickly, this Sunday, because it's Lag Baomer, we do not say Tahanun. Why do we not say Tahanun? Because it's the yot side of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And being that it's the yot side of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, it was told that we should celebrate on that day. And that's why we don't say Tahanun that day. There's a story, a very scary story. I'm only saying the story with the explanation of the Hida, 
Not to scare anybody, but just to show the importance of being happy on Sunday. The, there's a, one of the students of the Ariza was named Rabbi Abraham Levi. And one time they went to the caver of Rabbi Shabbat Bar-Hai in Meron. And there in Meron, the Rabbi Abraham Levi was a big tzaddik. He, he used to say in his Amidah, and some say it was Berchat Amazon, he used to say Nahim. It's an extra prayer of having consolence, which is said on Tashabi Av. Nahama, basically. So he said this by the caver of Rabbi Shabbat Bar-Hai, as he said, Berchat Amazon. Or when he was praying the Amidah, depends which story, which version you read. So anyway, after the Amidah of the, of the Arizal, Rabbi Shimon Bar-Hai appears to him, he tells him, why is this person saying Nahim on the day of my happiness? This is the day of my happiness. And because he's saying Nahim, he's going to be in Nehama soon. And um, within a month, Rabbi Abraham Levi's son passed away and he was Mekabil Nehama from other people. It's a day, which is Farim bring down, it's a day that a person is supposed to be Bismha. The Hidda points out, that's only because he says Nahim by the Kevir of Rabbi Shimon Bayahai. He went all the way to the Kevir and over there on the day of, it's like, you know, you're going to a wedding and you're, you're, you're sitting on the floor, you're, you're acting in mourning, you're ruining the party. Same thing, the day where we're supposed to celebrate uh, which Rabbi Shimon Bayahai wants everybody to be sameya and happy and celebrate by his kevir, he went and said, Nehama, Nahim, that's why there was a haqpada from Rabbi Shimon Bayahai. In any case, that's the reason why we don't say Anna and we don't say Tahanun on Sunday, which is like Ba'amir. Next. The other reason that's brought down in the the other reason that's brought down in the uh, Sfarim, the Ramah says something interesting. The Ramah says, Wusmehim Boketzat, that we're happy that they celebrate, there seems to be some celebrations on Lag Ma'omer. He doesn't give why. He brings the same thing in Darke Moshe. He says the Maharil brings reasons why a person should be Sameach on that day. It seems to be like an old Manhag that people should celebrate on Lagma Omer. Besides the fact that the students passed away, it seems to be something as a separate reason. So what is that reason? Sfarim bring down that it's the Yort side of Rabbi Shimon Bayohai. Now a lot of people question this. Who said that the Yort side is on Lagma Omer? We just said the whole thing that we made about this. His Yort side is not Yudalit Iyar. Where was it brought down? Who says that Yud Het Iyar, Hai Iyar is the day Rabbi Shimon Bayohai passed away? So let's begin. There's something called the Idra Zotah. The Idra Zotah is one of the sections in the Zohar. It's found in, I believe, Hashata Zinu. And that Idra Zotah was written on the last day of Rabbi Shimon Bayahai's life. It's very interesting, actually, to read it, get the simple translation. Not the whole thing, the whole thing is very confusing. The first part and the last part are very simple. It's like a story, it's easy to understand. And over there, it clearly says that this was the last day of Rabbi Shimon Bayahai's lifetime. It details exactly how he passed away. So now, one of the earliest sources that we have recorded that says that Rabbi Shimon Yochai passed away on Lagba Omer is from Harav Avadiyam Bartanura. In 1489, in the letter that he wrote to his brother, he writes as follows. He says that on the 18th of Iyar, which is the day of the death, referring to Rabbi Shimon Yochai, he says people come from all over the world and they come to his gravesite and they light big fires. You'll see that Teshubah, I believe it's brought in the Sefer called Darket Siyon. That's what Rabbi Abadim Bartunur writes. Abadim Bartunur, by the way, he's one of the Rishonim who lived in Yerushalayim in, in, in the year in the 1400s. He's the main commentary, one of the main commentaries on the Mishnayot. He's seen almost every Mishnah. That's Rabbi Abadim Bartunur. Then we go a little further. We find that the Rabbi Haim Vital speaks about the Ariza, that the first time he came from Egypt, he came to Tzfat, he came on Lagba Omer, 
to the graveside of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, and he, and he celebrated over there, and he gave a haircut to his his son by the cave of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Also, Rabbi Shmuel Vital, the Hidak words of Rabbi Shmuel Vital, he says that the Yotzes on Lagba Omer. We find also other Sfarim, the Shla Balatanya, the Bnei Sashar. All of them writing and saying that the Yotza of Rabbi Shemar Yehai is on Lag Baumir. Those are the sources that Rabbi Shemar Yehai passed away on, on Lag Baumir. This beautiful Remazim. This is, I just saw recently by the Pinhas Friedman, the author of Shpilei Pinhas. He came out with the whole book, Kedar Rabbi Shemar Lismoch Allah Bishatad Hadahak. I think that's the Ma'amar and Hazal. And he came out with a whole book on different Ma'amarot, on different Remazim about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and Lag Baomer. It's very, very interesting. We'll give you just two quick reasons, very, very easy, simple hints that allude to this. Rabbi Shimon Bar story about him running away and hiding in the cave for 12 and then another year, for 13 years, is brought down in Masichet Shabbat. And that's what made him Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. That's when he discovered, he used to be a regular rabbi, like the other Tanaim. Of course, a holy t- a rabbi, like all the other Tanaim. But nothing... That, that stuck out in the cave is when he was Zocheh to the revelation of the secrets of the Torah, which is the Sod, the Kabbalah, the Sefer HaZohar. And therefore, over there, Rabbi Shomar Yochai is brought down Masichet Shabbat on Daf Lamed Gimel. Very interesting, right? It just happens to be that falls on Lamed Gimel. Also, there's a Minhagim, it's brought down in the name of the Hatam Sofer. There are people who have a minhag during the Sfirat HaOmer, the 49 days with the Omer, that they learn Masichet Shavuot. Not to be confused with the holiday of Shavuot. Shavuot talks about all the types of vows and witnesses, all the dinim of the Adim. Very complicated Masichet, but it's only 49 pages. It has 49 pages, and people learn it during the 49 days of the Omer. Now, every Masichet begins on Daf Bit. So if you ever hear somebody tell you, I'm on Daf Aleph Amud Bit, you know that this guy is complete Amaris is not learning, he's just playing with you. Anyway, so Masechet Shavuot on Daflamid Dalit, Amud Bit, which would be learned on the 33rd day of the Omer, which, which if you're learning Masechet Shavuot from Pesach, he should be up to it on Sunday. Over there, the Gemara says the following, which is a statement that Rabbi Shimon Bayahai made from the Mishnah. And in the West, they the simple meaning is that they didn't like it, they they laughed at it, they they wanted to disregard it. But you could also explain Mahaku is to be happy, to smile, to be happy. To be happy for Bibi Shaman by High One on the thirty third day. That's another Ramus that's brought in the name of the Hatam Sofir. In any case, what's brought down is that this day should be a day of Simha. This day should be a day of celebration and people should be Marbebi Simha. And everybody asks a question. Why are we celebrating the death of Rabbi Shaman by Yahai? We have another great tzaddik that passed away, Moshe Rabbeinu, Hazal tell us he passed away on Zain Adar, and Zain Adar is a day of ta'anit, people say tikkunin, people cry, people fast. Why all of a sudden, we, for Moshe Rabbeinu, we cry and we fast and we mourn, and Rabbi Shemar Bayahai, when he passed away, we make celebrations. So many answers are brought up, I'll give you three very quick answers. Number one is, by a rabbi called Rabbi Yaakov Anahori, Lived a long time ago, about 200 years ago. And he says that based on Kabbalah, Moshe, Rabbi Shimon Bar-Hai had the spark of Moshe Rabbeinu. This is what people commonly call a Gilgul. A little bit of the soul of Moshe Rabbeinu was inside Rabbi Shimon Bar-Hai. And Moshe Rabbeinu, we know that he was crying to get into Eretz Israel. So on Zayin Adar, when Moshe Rabbeinu passed away, it was a sort of mourning. It was, it was sad. Everyone was crying because Moshe Rabbeinu did not... Get, walk into Israel. He was not zochet to enter Israel, the land that he dreamed to walk into it. But on the day that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai passed away, he was living 
in in, in Eretz Israel, in the north of Eretz Israel, and he was buried in Eretz Israel, and he was the Gilgul, as you could say, of Moshe Rabbeinu. So therefore, it's a great celebration that Moshe Rabbeinu's soul is inside of Eretz Israel. That's one answer that's brought down. Bnei Saskar brings another answer. He says, we find the Hazar tell us that when Moshe Rabbeinu died, 3,000 halachot were forgotten from the Jewish people. And therefore, that's a reason to mourn, to cry. On the other hand, when Rabbi Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai passed away, he revealed so much of the hidden parts of the Torah that were that we didn't know about. So because of that, we celebrate. We're celebrating the Torah that we gained by the death of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, and we mourn on Zayin Adar the halachot that were lost with the death of Moshe Rabbeinu. Third answer we could give is as follows: Moshe Rabbeinu represents Torah Shabbatab. Right, as uh, the English says, the five books of Moses. It's Torah Moshe. He's the one who brought down the Torah Shabbat. Of course, he brought down Torah Shabbat, but he's no more for the Torah Shabbat. And Rabbi Yochai was the one who uncovered the secrets of the Torah. He was the author of the Zohar. He's the one who dug up the secrets of the, of the Torah and brought it out to the surface. Now, if you look at something, the Torah Shabbat represents basically the goof, the external that which you see on the outside, and the Soda Torah, which by its name means the secrets, that which is hidden, is represented by the Zohar and the Kabbalah that Rabbi Shemuel uncovered. When, Moshe, when we see death, it looks bad, because we only see the external, and therefore we cry. And that's what happened, Moshe Rabbeinu died, it's the death of Kibiachol from a Torah Shebikhtab point of view, it's external, physical. But the Torah Shabbat which is to look deeper, to see the secrets, which is what Rabbi, what Rabbi Shimon Bayahai brought, brought to the world, makes us understand the depth of death. That even though death looks bad, deep down it's really good, as Hazal point out. Vayar Hashem et kol tov me'od. Hashem saw, ev- after creating the whole world, He saw everything that He did, and it was very good. And Hazal tell us, what does it mean? It was very good. What does that mean? That represents Malach Mavit. Death. Death is very good. It's very hard for us to understand. Nobody should have to go through it or have a relative to go through it. But that's what Hazrat tells us. Rabbi Shabbat Hai, through the uncovering of the Kabbalah, shows us the depth, the secrets of, of what looks bad on the outside, how really deep down it's really, really good. Anybody who reads the Zohar, just even if you read from the Hogesel, you see how it's full of love towards the Jewish people, full of how how even the small things that we do, even the things that the simple person does, how it makes a great connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's what Rabbi Shemuel Yochai brought about, and that's what we celebrate. Like we said, this is the revelation. Rabbi Shemuel Yochai is really the celebration of the revelation of the sword of the secrets of the Torah. Move on now to some of the minhagim that people do on Lag Ba'omer, and some of the reasons to understand. If you watch... On what goes on in Eretz Yisrael, it's wonderful. It's so beautiful. Everybody travels to Meron, where Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and his son Rabbi Azar were buried. Also, there's a, a few other tzaddikim over there, and you're lucky if you could get even close. It's packed. It's packed with people. I don't know how people sleep, where they sleep, but it's just Baruch Hashem. It's beautiful to just even watch. to be there. Now, what's where does that come from? Where does it come from? They should go up to Meron on Lagba Omer. So the simple reasons, like we said. Is because, listen, Rabbi Shimon Bar is your site. No matter which subject passes away, or anybody, even a person who has a your site, you visit the grave on the day of the your site and you pray by the grave. So that's a simple reason of going to Meron. But we see already from Tanaim, 
people would pass by the Kivarim of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai especially, and they would, ha- they would say special tefillah by the cave of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And there are many, many, many books and sfarim that speak about the reason of going up to Meron, and even the Orachayim, the Ariza we just said, many people from all over, the Rabbi Vajim people from all over the world and all over time, since beginning already from Shimon by passing away, have visited the grave of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, and it's brought down that gives tremendous beracha and blessings and all the other Yeshuaot. However, you'll see in some Sfarim that some poskim will bring down that people should not go on Lag Baumer to the graveside of Rabbi Yishon Bar Yochai. How come? It says because there's a lot of mixture over there of men and women and there's parties that go on that are not in the spirit of Torah. Sometimes it's straight out against Halakha. So therefore avoid it. Baruch Hashem though, today the Matzav is a little bit better and if you are careful, you put yourself in the right posi- right place, and the place has become much better, Baruch Hashem, people are on top of it, and whoever is visiting Meron, make sure, you should make sure to stay on the section where you're supposed to be, not to be mixed with men and women, all the celebrations that go on in Meron, make sure you're in the right area, and you shouldn't turn the day of Semha and greatness of, of what you know, of, of holiness to turn it into a day of partying and avero, uh, partying for the wrong reasons in Averot Hasbe Shalom. Other bin Hagin that brought down is candle lighting. Here, the Sfaradim, a lot of Sfaradim in their shoes, they, they sell candles and they light candles. The simple reason for lighting candles is like anybody who passes away on the yard site, we light candles. Because we know that says in the Pasuk in Mishlei, Ner Hashem Nishmat Adam. The candle of Hashem is the soul of a person. The soul always is represented by the flame of a candle, and therefore we put on a light because the light represents the soul of a person. It's, it's a light, and therefore we have candle lighting. The reason why they do it in shuls is very simple. It gives, it's more kavod for Lalun Nishmat the Tzaddik. Also, a very practical reason, it's a way to raise money. It's a beautiful way to raise money for the shuls, for the many things that the, the, the shuls are doing and the organizations are doing. It goes to Talmud Torah, which is the best way to honor Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. To pay money to a shul to continue the learning of the Torah, which all the Tanaim lived their whole life for, was in order to increase the learning of the Torah. You should know, keep in mind also, that Lagba Omer is also the yurt site of the Ramah. It's very interesting. Maran doesn't bring this whole celebration of Lagba Omer, even though Mustama he should have known about it, but it's the Ramah that brings it down in the, in, in the Darkei Moshe, he also brings it down in the Shohan Aruch, and it happens to be also that it's the yurt side of the Ramah as well on Lagba Omer. I'm only saying the following because I've been asked a few, a number of times on this. It's, it might sound ridiculous to some people. You do not make a beracha on the candle that you light. Sound, to some it might sound simple, but you know what? I've been asked a few times. People are innocently asking, listen, we'll light every, you're, you're supposed to light a candle. Lighting candles are all a very nice customary thing like you do with anybody who passed away. There's no special beracha, there's nothing to say. You want to say special tefillah, you can say that whatever you want, even like even without lighting the candle, but there's no, there's no beracha for sure. And if a person does not have the ability to light a candle, for whatever reason, doesn't have a candle, doesn't have oil to light, you could also keep one extra light, electric light, on in the house in honor of Rabbi Shimon by Yochai. Next, you see also that people make big fires in honor of Rabbi Shimon by Yochai. Where does that come from? What's the reason for that? Well, if you look in the Idrazota, which was written on the day that he passed away, you'll see that it says over there that there was a big fire that came in the room when Rabbi Shimon by Yochai was passing away, which represented the Shekhinah. 
So that's why people make big fires. Also, you look in the Zohar many times. Rabbi Shemar Bayhai is referred to as Botsina Kadisha, the holy light. Why? Because light allows us to see. It allows us to see what we couldn't see without the light. Same thing, the secrets of the Torah were sowed, were hidden, and they were a secret, and we couldn't see them. Rabbi Shemar Bayhai revealed it to us. He uncovered them through his light, through his revelation of the Sefer HaZohar. So that's how we light also the fires. That's the reason for people lighting, making a big bonfire for Rabbi Shemar Bayahai. Also, you see pictures on the calendar of bows and arrows. What does that have to do with Lag Baumir? The answer is, Hazat tells us that when we see a rainbow, it's not a good sign. Why? Because Hashem told Noah, come out of the Teba, the flood is over. Noah said, come on Hashem, I... Well, I'm not going to bother. I don't want to come out of the Teba if you're going to destroy the world again. What's the point? I'm going to come out. I'm going to have children. I'm going to work very hard in raising my children. Then you destroy the world again. So Hashem says, I promise you, Noah, I will not destroy the world again. And here's my uh, sign of, here's my word for it. I'm going to sh- show you the rainbow. He showed him the rainbow. He says, every time that I'm thinking of destroying the world, I'll look at the rainbow and I'll remember the promise I made you and I won't destroy the world again. So that means when there is a rainbow, it really shows that Hashem wants to destroy the world and He is not doing so. If you think about it, the rainbow is a bow, which is like a gun, pointing towards Shemaim. That's like a sign of peace. When you want to shoot at someone, you point the gun straight at him or you point the bow, the, the part that bends towards him. That's where the arrow is going to go. A sign of peace is when you turn the gun backwards towards facing you. So that the bow is facing upwards, it's facing Shamayim, it represents that God is showing a sign of peace. But really, he really wanted to destroy the world, but he's controlling himself. Hazal tell us that thro- throughout the lifetime of Rabbi Shomabai there was never a rainbow that, that came about. This hut, the merit of Rabbi Shomabai protected over the whole generation that they never, nobody ever saw a rainbow in his lifetime. So therefore, that's why people come out and they shoot bows and arrows. It's just as a memory to show the zhut of Rabbi Shemobar Yahai that there was never such a thing. Which brings us to baseball and going out to play fields. Baseball is not brought down anywhere. But a lot of people play baseball on, on like Baumir. What shaykhis? And the answer is the same idea. They go out in the field to shoot bows and arrows. So today, we don't have bows and arrows, so people play baseball. That's what you do in the field. You could play football. You could have done anything. Which is also, by the way, barbecue. Many people have a barbecue on... on uh, on Lag Baumir. What in the world does a barbecue have to do with Lag Baumir? Well, really barbecue, it's kind of like a, a sample of all the reasons that we gave beforehand. We said that you, people go and make a big fire. So over here in the barbecue, you're making a fire. You're supposed to have a sawadah in honor of Rabbi Shomabi Hai. Over here, it's great. You have a barbecue, you have it with the sawadah. You have also light, candle lighting. I guess you can light from the fire. Whatever it is, it's the, basically the idea is in honor of Rabbi Shomabi Hai. So we have to be aware of this on Sunday, whatever celebrations that we're doing, one is, it should be done of course, with uh, COVID Rosh has a show, you know, sometimes people make events and they forget the Ikar they, they, are, they sometimes have, you know, like shuls make events and there's men and women and this is not the way we celebrate the, the holy day of Rabbi Shalom Bihai, when he said they should celebrate, he meant to celebrate for the sake of Torah, as Farim bring down, the best way to celebrate Rabbi Shalom is your site is by learning his Torah and following his ways. That's a way to celebrate, which is actually brought down. You should, a person should try to read the Idrazota, which took place on that day. A person should read the, 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 the writings of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai from the Zohar, the writings of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai from the Gemara, Stam Rabbi Shimon is Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai in the Gemara, and try to follow in his ways. Not Hasbi Shalom, 
to forget what the whole celebration is about and to make it just a day of playing baseball and partying and something for the wrong reason. That's something about that we have to pay attention to. We have come to the end of the class of the of the sh- of the show. I just want to point out, now that we're on the subject of visiting the graves of Sadiqim, this is the last thing I'll point out, and that is that when you go to a cave of a Sadiq, no matter who it is, whether it's Rabbi Shumar Bar Yahai or Bibi Malanis or anybody else, even Sadiq that passed away recently, go to Hakam Abadiyaz Kever. It's important that when you're praying about the Kever, you should understand what you're doing. You're not praying to the Sadiq. You're not praying that Rabbi Shumar Bar you saved me, not but you're praying is for two reasons. One is you're praying that the tzaddik should stand on your behalf in front of Hashem and pray for you. The other reason that you're praying is on that spot because it's called the considered makom kadosh. We find this from the Torah, where Yaakov Avinu tells Yosef that he buried Rahel Menu on the road. Why? Hazad tell us because when the Jewish people are going to go into exile, they're going to pray by her kever. And Yosef, when he was sold to Mitzrayim, on the way down to Mitzrayim, as the Ishmaelim were beating him up, he went to the cave of Rahel Menu and he prayed by her grave. And he didn't pray to her, Hasbishon, that you should save me. He prayed that she should stand in front of Hashem and save him. And that's what to keep in mind when we visit the Kivrota Tzadikim. Yeratzon, Shizchut Kola Tzadikim Vetanaim Ve... The numbers to the station one more time. If a person wants to call, you can call right now, 718-683-5858. And to text, the number is 347-927-8398. Thank you to J. Root and Iran and the whole J. Root 